Hey everyone, welcome back to Holler Back. It's season three, episode four. I'm Billy Devrix. And I'm Stacy Fugit. And today we have another former Fugit on here, Miss Mandy Fugit Scheffel. Um, and she's the owner of a bookstore in downtown Hazard. Uh, Mandy, do you care to introduce yourself for us? I just want to thank you all first for having me. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. And I am Mandy Scheffel, owner of Red Spotted Newt in Hazard. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for taking time out of your day. I know that being a small business owner is no um, no small feat, especially, you know, in Eastern Kentucky. So um, you've been super successful with it. And we just kind of want to get a little bit more into that today. So first, a little background about you, though. So where are you from? Um you know, where did you go to school? What's your background and experience in? Just a little bit of everything. Sure. Okay. Um, so I'm from Knott County originally, um, born and raised um, from mm-hmm. Red Fox, went to school at, at um, Car Creek and then on to Knott County Central. Um, I graduated in 99, so that uh, reveals my age. <laughs> but then I, um, I kind of bounced around, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, um, tried to go to college, had a real good time the first go around, so it really didn't work out too well. So I just kind of bounced around and here and there. But I ended up getting my uh, master's in science at Eastern Kentucky University. Um, and that was only recently, you know, I, I got married and had a son, stayed at home with him for the first few years and then went back and finished my degree. Came back to Eastern Kentucky. Um, I live in Jackson currently. My husband's from Breathitt County. And I didn't have much luck finding a job. My concentration was environmental health science and occupational health and safety, which is not the book business. (laughs) So let me add that. Um, But I just didn't have a whole lot of luck finding a job. There's not a lot of industry here. Um, So I just... um, was kind of waiting it out hoping to get some work um which kind of segues into how the bookstore came about um I had an event in my life that kind of um I started writing but writing more as journaling and then I found myself at the um Heinemann Settlement School at the Appalachian Writers Workshop and from that experience, that's that's kind of where the bookstore came from. That's so, funny. We actually did a sorry, Billy. We actually did a uh, podcast with Hanman Settlement School just now. <laughs> yeah, it was with Jordan and uh, Corey. So, so you talked about how it was hard to find a job in this area because there there was a lack of industry. What what made you want to stay? in in eastern Kentucky because a lot of people would just leave instead of finding other ways to to give back to the community that that made them who they are yeah absolutely and I and I think we um unfortunately I think people have to leave even if they don't want to and we were fortunate enough that my husband you know he works in Jackson and uh, his job was really secure and it provided us the opportunity for me to be able to stay home and kind of wait back. And 
Um, I honestly just hoped uh, the EPA was where I really wanted to end up. And I just, I was kind of just sitting back and waiting for that. So I don't, I don't think we ever considered or would ever consider leaving. I don't, that was never on the table. And like I said, it was just, we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity um, because of his work, we were able to stay. Um, so I, um, I mean, I'm obviously firmly believe in in what is possible here and hopefully that's the direction we're going in i'm seeing a lot of young folks coming back home instead of leaving to go to college and staying away and and trying to revitalize downtowns in appalachia and you know and the economy to try to find a way that we can stay here because I think that's yeah. the most unfortunate thing is that people feel like they have to leave to survive. And um, I hope that's changing. Yeah. And something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is, you know, trying to highlight the positives of the area. And so, you know, it's people like you and our other guests that really we hope our listeners like we hope that they hear our podcast and it's like, wow, there are a lot of positives and there are a lot of people who genuinely have an affinity for the area. Um, so you said that you attended the writer's workshop at the Heinemann Settlement School, and that's where the, um, idea for the bookstore was kind of born. Is that, so we're like, are you an author yourself or are you just more interested in like creative writing and like not really doing it for like publishing purposes? Um, well, I would love to be published. (laughs) Right. I'm not there yet. Um, I write a lot of nonfiction, um, Mm -hmm. primarily nonfiction and I found a community there that is unlike any place I had ever been and I think growing up in Knott County um, I wasn't even familiar with the Appalachian Writers Workshop I mean I don't know if you guys had any knowledge of it growing up in the area but Uh, I did not and that's something that we talked that's something we talked about with um, the Highman Settlement Schools how a lot of people even in Mm -hmm. Knott County didn't know what was being done there. Absolutely. And what a, what a gym it is for Heinemann. And I don't, you know, I don't think we even realize, and you know, it's over 40 years old, the writer's workshop is. So, um, but it's, uh, it's amazing, an amazing group of people. And I just, I, I left there feeling like all of these people are, um, you know, a majority of people there are published and they have no outlet here to, to share their work. I mean, where are they selling their books in Eastern Kentucky? Mm-hmm. I mean, not just hazard, but there are, I won't say, I won't say there are no bookstores, but there are very few, especially independent bookstores in Eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was really a shame because we had such a literary history. I mean, you know, we have so many storied writers here that, you know, from Gurney Norman to James Steele, um, Harriet Simpson Arno. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I just, mm-hmm. I just felt like that, um, that part of our culture and our heritage wasn't, um, wasn't getting what it deserved. So, uh, and I've always been an avid reader and Lexington is where I went to the bookstore. Anytime we went to Lexington for anything, there was always a trip to the bookstore incorporated in that. And I hear that weekly in this store that people are so grateful to be able to stay home and shop for books. So um, 
in the beginning, I, you know, I wanted to develop a literary community and mm-hmm. a big part of the business plan were, were live events, author readings, you know, book signings. And of course that didn't happen over the past year because of COVID. So the, the red spotted newt is, is one of the most talked about businesses in hazard right now. Uh, how, how did you go about starting a business in that, in an area that uh, most would think is in the midst of an economic downturn? Um, could you talk to us about how you got the idea to start it and why you, why you chose main street? So, yeah. And I think, um, on paper and by the numbers, it very much looks like an economic downturn here, but I saw something in hazard that I wasn't seeing. And, you know, I think you'll take downtowns like Corbin, I think is a good example. Um, Whitesburg were one of the first Pikeville. I mean, they've all taken an initiative to say, okay, this is an important part of our town and our community. You know, we're going to work to, to bring things here that traditionally haven't been here, like the arts. You know, I think that's one huge um, segment that, that hasn't been here. So I saw something happening in Hazard that um, that attracted me to here to open my business. You know, they invested in an, uh, a downtown coordinator in Bailey Richards, and that um, to me was a that was a game changer. And when you see a city that says, okay, we're going to hire somebody and this is going to be their sole focus is to bring Mm -hmm. our downtown back. And you know, right away that you've got the support of, of the, of the community. Yeah, absolutely. I used to say that, you know, because I want to get my master's in urban planning eventually and work on um, downtown revitalization as well in Eastern Kentucky. And so I used to, like, growing up, I would say, I can't wait to be the downtown coordinator. But now I'm just like, I can't wait to be Bailey Richards' assistant because she is so awesome at her job. And I agree with you. Seeing a city invest um, in its downtown, it really makes, I think it, I think it makes folks feel more valued um, in my brain. That makes sense. Anyways, um, <laughs> so we know that you started out on Main Street, but you're in a completely different building now. So you're in the former tourism center, which by the way, I've always thought was the cutest building in Hazard. So I'm, I was really sad that it wasn't getting like utilized to its full potential, but now it is. And I can't wait to visit um, as soon as I go back to Hazard. But so how has that change been for your business? And also like, how did that kind of come about? So um, yeah, I started on Main Street and I flooded in the first week, seven days exactly from when I opened the store flooded. Um, it was the February of last year. So that was a setback right off the bat. Um, but the, the crazy part was, is that, you know, I, there were so much, there were so many people that desperately wanted this to happen, not just me, that there was this outpouring of support that I felt like I didn't even miss a beat. Like, even though there had just been two foot of water in the store, it was just like, okay, you know, this is just a small setback where, right. where that could have been devastating. I mean, that could have kept me from moving on. But so, and then in March, you had a COVID shutdown. So I couldn't have people in store. I got to have one opening event where Gurney Norman and Emily Whitaker read. We got to do um, 
a little gathering and then um and then covid so I, you know, I don't know because I didn't have any numbers to go on historically what sales would have been like. So I can't say whether it affected sales because you know it's my first year. But right. people still, I, I came into the store like three days a week. I did curbside service. I shipped. I shipped everywhere. Anybody that had ever been to Hazard was from Hazard that lived somewhere else bought a book just because they wanted to see this work. And that's why, you know. I have a hard time even taking credit for any of it because of all the outpouring of support that, you know, people were just, they wanted to see a bookstore in hazard. So, um, I outgrew it pretty quick. The space I was in on main street was tiny. I mean, it was like 200 square feet. So when I saw that this had even a remote chance of being, a you know, a, a real business, I knew I was going to have to move to have more room. And so right away I was looking, looking for other buildings in town, looking for other possibilities downtown. Um, and so this one was here and wasn't being used and was um, deteriorating pretty quickly. So it became an option. Gotcha. Um, so I know that you said like, within the first week it flooded and then COVID hit, but were there any other obstacles on like the business side of things that you, because I know that um, when I was in high school, I did a lot of research on why businesses weren't opening on main street, whatever. And I, I know that a common complaint was um, being in the floodplain um, and like that, I'm not 100% sure of the details, so I don't want to act like I am, but um, I know that there were some like hiccups in plans coming to fruition there. Um, so were there anything, was there like any kind of paperwork issues or anything about just establishing a business that made it difficult? I didn't really run into any obstacles. I think um, one, because I was renting and not trying to buy a building. And I, I think if you were buying a building downtown, um, that yeah there that might there might be some red tape there just because gotcha. flood insurance you have to have flood insurance if mm -hmm. the building's not paid for so that's a huge expense so i was i was you know renting leasing instead of buying so um there wasn't that wasn't a huge obstacle um i, I knew nothing about business <laughs> that was not not what i went to school for not my thing uh, you know, I had ties in the literary community and I knew um, I love to, to read books. So. And that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it is. <laughs> now it's tax season and I have found out that's not all you need. It's very important to. <laughs> I'm sure Chris Gooch has got you under control. Right. <laughs> and talking about Appalachian resiliency, you're, you're the model of it. Um, I mean, you had the flood and then COVID hit and you're, you're still business. A lot of people would have given up or, or could have, everything could have went downhill after that. So that's, that's really not, that's, that's something worth congratulating you over because that's, that's a lot of obstacles to face right there at once. Um, yeah, thank you. And I think if I had any advice to give, and I think this is what saved me, was my overhead was super low. You know, I didn't go too big too quick. 
it, it was a good starter space and I was able to get in cheap and um, my overhead was low. So that took away a lot of the anxiety of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? It's COVID. Um, and I think that that helped was, you know, it was the cost wasn't um, more than I could handle. Well, we, we've mentioned it a little bit about um, how COVID affected your business, but I'd like to know a little bit more. Um, I know you, you recently celebrated one year of being open. How, how do you think things could have been different without COVID-19? I think COVID-19 affected um, customers, people getting the word out. I still have people, even though it's been over a year, that will come and say, I didn't even know there was a bookstore in Hazard. And you think that you've covered all your bases, but there are still, I mean, you, I feel like I've been on every platform possible and there are still people who don't know I'm here. And I think had it not been for COVID-19, you know, I went months and people, there was a, a close circle of people that were supporting me, but there weren't a lot of people just coming in off the street that then were able to say, oh, I found a bookstore downtown because people weren't out shopping. So I think that was, was a huge impact. And like I said, I, I don't know what my sales numbers could have been. And I still, you know, this year's not even going to be an accurate, uh, ac accurate set of numbers either. Because I, I think I'm, you know, a few years away from seeing what, um, what could have been because people weren't out shopping. But I do think people were looking for ways to entertain themselves at home. And so that was beneficial for me because, you know, I did have puzzles and books. And, and so I think that that helped because I think people were home. They didn't, they didn't have anything to do. So they went back to reading. So I think that helped. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there was a huge push um, for supporting local businesses because I, I mean, we all knew that, you know, Walmart was going to be fine. Target was going to be fine. JCPenney's we thought was going to be fine, but they missed one middle school dance season and it just, it put them under the table. Um, seriously though, I'm excited about JCPenney's. It's been a part of my life for a long time. <laughs> um, also Ponderosa Steakhouse, but we're not going to get sentimental because. That's two major losses. No, truly. Ponderosa Steakhouse, people. Whenever they first broke the news that it was closing, somebody tweeted me and was like, somebody pray for Stacey Puget because she is not well because of this closing announcement. Um, and they were right. I was really sad. Um, so, you know, you had the the flood last year. And I guess it floods every year now. Thanks, global warming. Um, but it also flooded this year in eastern Kentucky. And I think that you know, a lot of our listeners will know that and everybody here knows that, obviously. And I was actually home whenever it flooded in Hazard um, this time. And I had to go the long way around back to Lexington. So, you know, Hazard was flooded a little bit. Well, I don't want to say a little bit because I didn't see um, all of it, but Hazard was flooded. So what did that mean for the Red Spot? And it, we know that you weren't in the same building, but did you get any water at all? I didn't. Um, so I'm out of the floodplain at this point. I feel pretty safe here. I mean, short of like a mudslide or something crazy, which I don't rule anything out at this point, but um, yeah. I feel pretty safe here. Unfortunately, I live in Breathitt County, so um, and Breathitt County was 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 hit hard. We were we were lucky. 
Um, but I was stuck for like three days in my holler. So the, the water got up to the point where we couldn't leave. So I did lose a couple of business days because I couldn't get here. But mm -hmm. this, I'm, I'm in a pretty, pretty good location at this point. So is it just, um, is it just you running the store or do you like have other employees? It's pretty much just me. Um, I've got a friend of mine that will kind of come in and volunteer for me if, um, if I need a day off or, you know, I got to hopefully, um, now that the vaccines are rolling out, there'll maybe be some summer travel, but I, I mean, I do have some people that are kind enough to come in and kind of hold the fort down for me while I'm gone, but I haven't gotten to the point yet. Um, I hope to soon be able to provide some jobs in the community also, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a one man show at this point. So. Well, that's really awesome. And and you've got Newt there, so don't discount his work. I, I know do. he worked really hard. It is a new addition. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish his podcast was videoed because Newt is so cute. Um, He's security. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he does well. He looks ferocious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you see in the future for Red Spot and Newt? So I hope going forward that I get to <clears throat> incorporate in-person events into the community. I'm going to work closely with the Appalachian Arts Alliance and the Art Station, which, uh, you know, opened last year also, mm -hmm. uh, right in time for COVID. So hopefully I can get together with them and work with them and bring in writers who, um, who can do readings, you know, maybe some poetry nights. I'd love to have a writer's group. Um, just so writers in the community have somewhere to gather and um, have a community, develop some kind of writing community. Um, I'd like to have uh, like a story time for kids to get kids mm -hmm. in here, get kids reading early and often. So they, uh, so books become a part of their life. And that they can also see that that, that that's a, um, a viable option for them. And if mm -hmm. you see somebody, you don't know you can be a writer until you see a writer or know a writer. And so right. I, I hope to bring that. And that's a huge part of the business that I've not been able to capitalize on. So mm -hmm. um, that's where I hope to go next. And I think, like I said, I think people will be more comfortable with gathering, um, at least by the end of the year, hopefully. Yeah, we we talked earlier about um, the importance of of just of making available in the region the the literature of people who are from the Appalachian region. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you think it's important not only to do that but also how talk about how it's important for people in the region to read this Appalachian literature and what that could do for their knowledge of the region. Because I know <clears throat> I've said many times that to me, even though I'm from there, I can never stop learning about there and I'll never consider myself fully knowledgeable of everything that's going on. So how do you think that this Appalachian literature can, can help people in that way in the region? Well, I think first and foremost, it, um, it shows us that our stories are important and that um, I think I can remember probably 
I'd say uh, Christie is probably my first piece of Appalachian literature that I read. Um, but I can remember reading Clay's Quilt uh, by Silas House when it came. I was 19 when it came out. And it was um, it was groundbreaking for me because it was the first time that I saw my story or things that I could relate to in a book. You know, prior to that, any kind of assigned reading or any reading really that I did for pleasure at all, there I didn't. I mean, there may be some things, but there was never anybody that I was like, oh, that character's like me. And I think that's important when you read, and it's important in literature to have characters that you um, can see yourself in, that you relate to. And I think that's critical. I mean, I think that it can really make or break you whether you whether you continue to be a lifelong reader. And I think readers are more empathetic to other people because like you say you continue to learn you know you may read a book that's written from somebody here but it may not be your story it may you may have grown up in the same community but your story is going to be different from theirs and then it it I think it it makes you more empathetic to your neighbors and community members yeah uh, me and Billy are both Appalachian Studies minors and so um I don't want to speak for Billy, but for me, whenever I came to college, I really didn't think of Appalachia as having a certain culture, you know, and maybe that's silly to some, but I guess I just hadn't like thought that deep into it, whatever. Um, I know that, you know, I grew up eating soup beans and cornbread and cooked cabbage and sauerkraut and just like, you know, good home cooked meals and like um, listening to bluegrass music with my parents, you know, so but I just, I guess I didn't consider that as culture. Um, and I think it's really important because I also know that in high school, whenever I thought of like publishing a book, I thought you had to go to New York and I thought you had to be this big time city writer, you know? Um, and then I think actually the first Appalachian like writer that I had learned about was Nancy Allen, uh, just like locally. And you know, I know that like now we're Facebook friends and I just think it's so cool that she like publishes children's books. And then once I got into academia and learning about Appalachian culture, um, we got into Robert um, Guype and Silas House and, and a lot of people like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely important for representation and letting our voices be heard. So, first of all, thank you for wanting to showcase those stories of resilience and the Appalachian people. That's awesome. I think it's important. And I think it's important that you read, um, like you said, I, oftentimes what gets picked up by New York <laughs> is not exactly what we want to be known for. And it's not all of who we are. And exactly. I, you know, which stereotypes are there for a reason. I'm not, going to downplay that but I think there is so much more to offer that we have so much more to offer that um, that gets looked over or you know it's not as interesting it's not gonna sell as many books you know but um, I think it's important that that it's if you're gonna read Appalachian literature you need to read it all give it all a chance see you know different points of view yeah Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, there's not just one person that can speak for the region, I guess. There's not one definitive collection, not one book that can say, okay, this is what, oh, that's what Appalachia is. It, that's not, 
it doesn't exist. I agree. And I also um, agree on the fact that we need to get more Appalachian literature from Appalachian writers out there, not just not just in in um, books and and comics, like um, in just anything as far as media goes, because for so many years, their Appalachia has been portrayed as I mean, you go back to the '60s with the War on Poverty and Lyndon Johnson and and watch rich land, poor people, Christmas in Appalachia. And it, 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 it highlights the, the negative things that that's went on in the region. And then throughout the rest of the years, um, you've had little Abner, um, which many people like, but it also just reinforced stereotypes. Um, just, just keep going through the years, uh, Dukes of Hazard movies. I remember that was a big one in a class that I took. Uh, strangers with a camera all there's there's every portrayal in of Appalachia and a lot of film books any any literature has been reinforcing those stereotypes to their own benefit and it's really important that in every aspect in every way possible that people in Appalachia come up with their own perspectives make them known and talk about the good things that's going on and the the the, the good parts of, of Appalachian culture, like the soup, beans, and cornbread. Like I know when I come to Lexington, and I stay for a month or two at a time, and I go back home. The first thing I look forward to is the food. So you didn't have to speak for me, Stacy, but you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really glad uh, that you're doing what you're doing. And honestly, it, it really motivates me that you've went through all this and. Uh, you're, you're still standing. Thank you. And I, you know, I just, I mean, it's at the end of the day, I mean, if we, um, if it, if there's something we want, we're going to have to create it. We're going to have to create a place, you know, that we want to live. We have to keep, you know, keep our money here. You know, if, if we want a bookstore, if we want a restaurant downtown, if we want a venue where, you know, musicians can come, I mean, we're going to have to create it. We're going to have to do it and create the place where we want to live. And, you know, I've got a son who's eight and I want him, if he wants to stay here, I want him to be able to stay here. You know, I think the, um, when I grew up, your measure of success was if you were able to leave and go somewhere else. And I, you know, I just don't want that for him. I want him to be able to stay here. If he, you know, leave, go to college, have your experience. But if, if you want to make a life here, I hope he's able to do that and know that it's okay that, you know, if you stay, if you stay in Eastern Kentucky and you stay in Appalachia, that's okay. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I'd like to see a lot more people stay because whenever I was graduating, it was, you, you went off somewhere, a lot of people came here to Lexington, or you went to Georgetown and worked for Toyota, but there was no option of staying home. If there was, it, the people thought that you couldn't succeed. And I'd really like to get rid of that, that stigma that's associated with the region. And that's why we enjoy having people like you and people from the Hyman Settlement School, the Appalachian Artisan Center, all these different places on here so we could maybe show people that, hey, you don't have to go to Lexington or Georgetown. There's so many places right here in Appalachia at home 
that you could stay at, you could work in and make a difference while you're doing it. And set an example for future generations, just like you're doing right now with Red Spotted Navy. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll take some time. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. Probably not even going to happen in my generation, honestly. But, you know, hopefully, um, I feel like I'm on the forefront of things. I, I, I hope so. It feels that way. For There seems to be a lot of young people that are that are super involved. And, um, and the local officials here are fabulous and totally on board. So I think when you have everybody working together, everybody's like-minded, this is what we want, and this is where we're going, it makes it a lot easier to get there. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> and, and you're setting an example when you when you establish yourself like that, too, that you don't necessarily have to go to existing programs in the region you could, or existing businesses. You could start your own and set an example and, and be resourceful for yourself and others. And that just, you know, the, the region's been put down for years. And for so many years, we've been put down and, and told that we're not capable of anything besides being mining towns that a lot of people started to believe it. And I'm starting to see people go away from that. And that's something that I really enjoy. And I'm excited to see the future of the region because of people like you and what you're doing. Um, so is there anything that you'd like um, to talk about future projects uh, w- uh, with Red Spotted Newt before we before we end the show? Um, I, I think I just encourage everybody to follow me on social media at Red Spotted Newt on Facebook and Instagram both. Anything I'm doing, that's the first place, uh, first place it'll be. And with um, vaccinations and summertime, warmer weather, we can be outside. I definitely plan to have events this summer. So, um, and I'm open to uh, in-person shoppers Tuesday through Saturday, 12 to 6. So if you find yourself in Hazard, stop by and chat. Peruse the Appalachian Lit <laughs> for a whole section so of regional and local riders. Yeah, and I was looking at your website the other day. You, um, you can purchase gift cards online now, correct? You can. So I have partnered... Um, with bookshop.org, which is a company that was started to try to pull uh, bookshoppers away from Amazon. That was the goal. And so what they do is if you go to uh, bookshop.org itself and purchase, they have a profit sharing pool that they share with all independent bookstores in the U.S. Um, If you go specifically to bookshop.org and it's like backslash red spotted note, um, I get a percentage, a larger percentage if you shop from there. So eventually I'm working on a website that will be my personal website that you can buy merchandise and, um, and actually shop what's in the store. So, but yeah, you can get gift cards at bookshop.org. So. That's awesome. And and as far as merchandise, if you like wanted to do t-shirts, I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know. You could have already thought of this. You probably did. You're amazing. Um, but partnering with Appalachian Apparel, I see you have Absolutely. some Appalachian Apparel merch on to do some some, some I love screen printing. He's been, so. uh, he's been a good sounding board. If I, you know, I'm like, well, what do I need to do about this? And, and so he um, mm-hmm. he kind of paved the way for the rest of us as far. As Listen, it, it takes a village. It, 
<laughs> for all aspects of life, I think, not just raising a kid. <laughs> um, well, Mandy, thank you so much. I, for one, cannot wait. I'm sure you'll be at the pop-ups at um, Thursdays on the Triangle if we get to have those COVID safe this summer. So fingers crossed. Um, again, thank you for taking time out of your day and being here and talking to us. We've had a blast. Um, I love the work that you're doing in Hazard, but of course, maybe I'm biased because I love Hazard. So, um, yeah, again, everybody that is at Red Spotted Newt on Facebook and Instagram and the links to her websites and things like that are um, in her bio. So go ahead and head on over there, buy a gift card, support a local business and feel good about yourself. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. In the meantime, I am Stacy. And we'll holler at you later.